So as we're looking at chapter 10, our job is to understand what is meant in the original setting to the original readers. Here's a little uh, hermeneutics lesson as we look at Matthew chapter 10. Uh, when we're interpreting scripture, when we're trying to figure out what does it mean, uh, we need to do it in the then and there. What was happening in that culture to those original listeners? What was the original intent of the message? So uh, we do, what, what does it mean in the then and there? Whenever Jesus is speaking to the disciples in Matthew chapter 10, what is the then and there? What is the plan? And then when we figure out what the meaning is, then we figure out how that applies, that principle applies to us in the here and now. Does that make sense? We figure out what it means in the then and there. We figure out how it applies to us here and now. For instance, in Matthew chapter 10, uh, since we did last week the commissioning of the 12 uh, apostles, when we look at Matthew chapter 10, we should not all feel obligated to uh, become an apostle, to leave our homes, to go preach and to go heal the sick and to go cast out demons. Do you see what I mean? The then and there. Jesus was speaking to the 12. He's giving instructions to the 12. Um, however, there are some principles in chapter 10 that do apply to us. And so we're going to try to to get to draw those out of the text, okay? I know that's the exciting part of the sermon, huh? Y'all are all, oh good, we're doing exegesis in sun, on Sunday morning. <laughs> Exa, who's this? All right, here we go. Uh, provision and hospitality is what I titled this this morning. It started off as a working title, and then I decided to just stick with it. Uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 9, I'm going to start in verse 9. We're going to go through verse 15. Uh, we're going to group these, these instructions into two broad categories. First, Jesus instructs the apostles about provisions for their trip. You're going to love this, and you're going to understand why I set it up the way I did once we get into the text. And then the second part is Jesus instructs them about how we are to handle, or how the, the apostles are to handle hospitality. So provision and hospitality. Here we go. Number one, trusting God for provision. Trusting God for provision. Matthew chapter 10, verse 9. Uh, if, you're, if you're new with us this morning, I'm reading from a New Living Translation uh, because it's uh, written on a sixth grade reading level, which is where I read, okay? <clears throat> Every once in a while, people ask me, why do you use that translation? Because I can understand it. Okay, verse 9. Don't, <laughs> whatever translation you read, that's the one you should use. Don't take any money in your money belts. No gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality. Because those who work deserve to be fed. So here's the full picture in case you missed last week. Uh, these 12 apostles have been following Jesus around. Jesus has a whole bunch of disciples. And, and tw out of the 12, Jesus pulls these 12 out, or out of the multitude, Jesus pulls these 12 out and he's sending them on their own to the surrounding villages and towns to do ministry. So he instructs them uh, to don't take any money, See, this is why we have to do the then and there and apply it to the here and now. Can you imagine if, if on Sunday morning I said, you're going to go on a trip. The church is sending you as a missionary and don't take any money with you. Just go in faith, sweetheart. <laughs> Whoa. Don't take any money. Jesus tells the 12 apostles, don't take any money. Don't take any luggage. Don't take any, an extra change of clothes. 
Don't take your shower gel and your scrunchie. Oh, I'm out. Don't take any extra shoes. Don't even take a walking stick. Basically, you take what you have on and nothing else. You go, and, and as uh, verse 8 from last week, as verse 8 instructed us, you take nothing except for what you have on you, and you go out to the towns and the villages, and you go proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is near. You go and you heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and, by the way, my favorite, is give as freely as you have received. I think that that's kind of funny whenever he sent them out with nothing. Jesus is sending the apostles out with no provision. He's sending them out for the purpose of proclaiming the most important message in the world and for blessing people. And in the event they did receive something, the instruction they've been given is to give it freely. I'm sending you with nothing and if somebody gives you something, just give it away. Oh, this is gonna be wonderful. I mean, if this is the most important message of, of all eternity, you would think we would equip these people to do everything that they need to do. Here again, Jesus is not good at secular leadership. They were sent out with nothing except for two things that Jesus had given them. Two things that Jesus had given them. I want you to get this picture seared in your brain. The apostles are sent out with nothing except for two things. Jesus had equipped them with the message of the kingdom of heaven... And he equipped them with authority to heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. He says, now go. You have, you have no possessions, but you have the message of the kingdom of heaven, and you have the authority of Jesus to, to do miracles. Now go. Go and work hard. Bless a bunch of people and tell them all about Jesus. Now, I mean, I grew up in a Pentecostal church, so my Pentecostal roots in this is like, yeah, equipped with the gospel of Jesus Christ and authority to do miracles, let's go. <laughs> All you Baptist people are like. <laughs> we, we can pick out who's who by, by when they say amen and how, right? This is Pentecostal, amen, heal them. Bridget, the Baptist or <laughs> Amen. And the Catholics are, don't talk in church. <laughs> Has nothing to do with my sermon. You can tell whenever I don't have a lot of notes because I dink around a lot. <laughs> you could get out early or we could have fun. The Pentecostal in me is like, yes, the father and husband in me says, but we have nothing. So how will I take care if, if, if God's going to send me out to preach the gospel and to do miracles and oh, that's all wonderful. But, but what about money and what about all of my responsibilities? Because I have to take care as a father and as a husband, I have, I have responsibilities that I have to take care of. So no, this is not a cool deal. And then there's the business mind in me that says, okay, analytically, how do we begin? We have nothing. Uh, how do we start with nothing? We, we need 
we need Jesus, let's sit down here. We need a business plan. We need to, to figure out some investment capital. Uh, we need a marketing plan of how we're going to get the word out. I mean, at the very least, Jesus, give us enough money so that we can buy some, some business cards and get a website up. <laughs> at the very least. So 20 years ago, Diane and I, we put uh, $250 in a checking account and we called it Desert Heights. It was before the church ever started. We were just, you know, making a plan. $250 in a, in a checking account. We called it Desert Heights. And then from, from there, we, we ran a newspaper ad. And we rented two rooms at the Marriott over here on Scott Avenue. And it was, I say that just to say, it was only $250. But that's a lot more than nothing. Yes. So here, here's the principle that I think applies to us today. Jesus was not sending the apostles out to distribute wealth. Their mission was not to spread trust in material things. Their ministry was to tell others about who Jesus was and to encourage them to put their trust in Jesus as well. The apostles' mission is a real-life lesson of literally you trust in Jesus to provide for your every need as you go, as you go and preach to others so that they should trust in Jesus themselves. If you're going to ask other people to trust in Jesus, then here, go out there and live a life of trusting Jesus. All that the apostles had was Jesus. That's all they had. They were to proclaim the kingdom of heaven and demonstrate compassion to the lost sheep of Israel with nothing of this earth. They didn't have a nice building. They didn't have a projector screen. Oh, we couldn't even do church. If, if the bulb in that projector goes out, we just pray and dismiss. <laughs> I'm kidding. Thank you for laughing with me. <laughs> And some of those people just went, oh, <laughs> seriously? <laughs> God's apostles equipped with nothing but Jesus. That's a wonderful picture. It's a wonderful picture. While I do not think that this is prescriptive for us today, I do think that the principle is applicable to us. Ministry to others does not come from what we possess. It does not come from our wealth. It does not come from our resources. It doesn't come from all of our shiny things. Ministry to others does not come from what we possess. We do not minister to people from our storehouse of possessions. Like the apostles, we live our faith. We live our faith. We live putting our trust in Jesus for all of life. And then we share that life of faith with others. Every once in a while, I think that people get in their head, well, I don't have whatever it is, fill in the blank, a nice house, money, uh, whatever, whatever, I don't know. Uh, I don't have whatever it is, so I can't, I can't bless other people. The disciples went with nothing to bring others the kingdom of God. That's the principle for us to absorb and apply today. We minister to others from the riches and abundance of Jesus Christ in us. So 
So we need to make a slide that says, say amen here. Because <laughs> evidently it's not as obvious as I thought it was. We minister to others from the riches, from the abundance of Christ Jesus in us. Amen, Brent. Thank you. Ah, hallelujah. You cannot give what you do not have. If you don't have Jesus, you're not going to do ministry at all, no matter what your resources are. And all we have as followers of Christ, all we have of any value is Jesus. It is only in Jesus that others, it is only in Jesus that others will find forgiveness of sin, healing of their soul, and hope for eternal life. None of those things come from me sharing my stuff or from you sharing your stuff. First thing we want to do often is tell people about our stuff. And the apostles didn't have any stuff, so they just talked about Jesus because that's all that they had. That is a great lesson there. I think you're getting it. Ministering to others is more than sharing our money and our resources. It's about sharing the Jesus that we know and that we love with other people. Now, you may have noticed I kind of avoided the last sentence of verse 10 there. We haven't gotten there yet. We're, we're there now. He says, don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. That's easy enough. It appears that, the part, that part of Jesus's plan for providing for these 12 apostles, because he knows they have to have a place to sleep, they have to be able to eat. It appears that part of Jesus' plan for providing for these 12 apostles is for those who they minister to, picturing this, those that they're ministering to are going to provide for the apostles' basic needs. So they're going to go into the towns and the villages. They're going to minister to those people. Those people are going to take care of the needs of the apostles. Now, here's a little glimpse into the window or through the window into my faith, okay? So, hold on. Trusting God is to provide is one thing. I mean, I'm, I'm there. God provides. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. That's good. Trusting in God to provide through other people, that's a whole new level of trust, right? You understand. So, think with me big picture here for a second. Jesus here, with the text that we covered last week, Jesus is trusting these 12 men. Women, watch it. Right? We, we were in a professional setting here a couple months ago. And the person that we were meeting with said to my, to the people I was with, <laughs> you know how men are, they don't take care of anything. Spirit of slap came over me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, wow, right in front of me. That's the rudest thing ever. Jesus is trusting these 12 men, just common, earthly, sinful, errant men, forgetful. <laughs> Jesus is trusting these 12 apostles with the gospel message that he wants to them to take to all of mankind. Now, surely these 12 men can trust God to feed them and shelter them through others who trust 
him. Jesus tells these men, don't hesitate to accept hospitality. My point is that if, you, if God can trust 12 men, then those 12 men can t- trust other people. Jesus tells these men, don't hesitate to accept hospitality. For whatever reason, we get all weird about uh, being on the receiving end of hospitality, don't we? Most of us do. We're, we like the idea of, I'm just going to put this out here, we like the idea of controlling the hospitality. My house, my place, my food, my dirt, uh, I can, I'm fine in my space. But then if I have to go to somebody else's house, then we have this awkward feeling in someone else's home or in another setting. And so we may not like, may not like how they clean their house or how they cook their food. A real good friend of mine invited me over. I stayed with him for uh, several nights. One night he was cooking and we were standing there talking and he's stirring gravy and he's tasting it and stirring the gravy. Tasting it and stirring the gravy. I ate the gravy. It was good. He had, he had tasted it and so it was, it was right. You know, he... <laughs> But then the, the other side of hospitality is, well, what if they don't like my furniture? What if they don't like my house? What if they don't like us? What if we're not nice enough? And here's my observation, and I say this with a lot of conviction, okay? Here's my observation. You tend to worry about your things, how nice or how clean your house is or, or your food or whatever. You're worrying about your things. Those that you're showing hospitality to, your guests, in whatever setting, those people are just enjoying your kindness. They are honored that you would show them uh, hospitality by inviting them in, by inviting them into your house, and they're just enjoying being with you while you're worrying about your things. God has entrusted you with Jesus. Your stuff and their stuff, those things, they are not important at all. And last week Jesus said, if you've been given to, then freely give it away. So if you have lots of good things, share them freely. They don't mean anything. You okay? But we spend our whole life gathering shiny things. I know. Here we have, we have Jesus, the Son of God, present in our lives. And what do we talk about? The shiny things. All the disciples had were the shiny. What's, what's the shiny things? Was Jesus. Entrusting God for provision. I'm bringing this one to an end. We need to start another point. We need to start over. Entrusting God for provision. First, it's all about Jesus. It's not about you. And second, giving and receiving hospitality is fundamental to God's using you in ministry. I'll take a drink here and then I'm going to make a great point. Are we all apostles? No. Do we all have, a, if, we've are, if we've accepted Christ as our Savior, we have Christ in us and we have a ministry to those around us, to our spouse first, to our children I mean, we're hospitable to our spouse and children, right? No, just people who visit our house. We have to be nice to them. Everybody else we're grumpy to. <laughs> no, ministry begins to your spouse, to your children, to your church, and then your community. It radiates out. Somebody should put that on a napkin. That's good. Call it illuminate. 
You, we all have a ministry, and it happens in hospitality, in us sharing a cup of coffee together, in us sharing a meal together, us going on a walk together, going fishing together, going hunting together. Hallelujah. <laughs> going to see seniors. <laughs> Let's have an altar call. Let's just take up the offering and have an altar call. <laughs> an altar call? <laughs> All right, number two, Matthew. So, so we're going into hospitality. Matthew uses the last sentence of the last point to segue right into a whole section about hospitality. So it's kind of like this came up and, well, Jesus is who's speaking here. So he, he mentions hospitality and is like, okay, let's talk about hospitality a little bit. So verse 11, this is an interesting uh, couple of verses here. He says, whenever you enter a city or village, so he's sending the 12 apostles out, search for a worthy person. That's interesting to me. And stay in his home until you leave town. And when you enter the, the home, give it your blessing. <coughs> Pardon me. If it returns, if it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take your blessing back. Hmm. Now, if any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. So Jesus' instruction was not to find the nicest house and stay there. You okay? I mean, it's kind of back to the previous point. We're so busy working on our house, we're not working on being a worthy person. And the standard is being a worthy person, not having the nicest house. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like a clean house. Amen, hallelujah. <laughs> but being a worthy person is the standard. Jesus' instruction was not to find the nicest home and stay there. Jesus' instruction was to search for a worthy person and stay in his home. The apostles were to look for an honorable person to stay with. And then when you stay with them, you bless them. I grew up a pastor's son. My dad was a pastor all my life. And I was around a lot of preachers. And uh, some, not all, but some, you know, it only takes a few bad apples, right? Some pastors are like, I'm here now, you can all bow. <clears throat> and it was just that arrogance that went, went with some pastors that I honestly did not want to be a pastor because I did not like most pastors. I was in a home with a pastor one time, and uh, there's three of us meeting. His wife had made lunch for us, and he had small kids. And um, it came time to eat, and the, the man whose home we were in, he was a pastor, uh, he's, he announced, he said to his family, he said, you'll wait until all of the spiritual leaders have eaten. And I'm like... You know, I, I just think I'm going to fix a plate and hand it to the kids because now I feel like vomiting. I think sometimes as Christians we have this entitlement mentality that, well, I'm saved and I know it and so everybody needs to know that I'm saved and I'm a child of God and you can't swear around me, you can't do anything bad around me, you can't. No, our job as, as children of God who are filled with the light of Christ is to bless other people. Well, what if they don't deserve it? That's exactly the point. So don't be a bad guest. 
Be a considerate, kind uh, guest. Be a peacemaking guest. You know, some people come into your home and they just come in and it's sandpaper. You just, oh, they're gritty. You can't wait. Let's just go ahead and have dessert and dismiss. Don't. Don't be that person. Be a blessing. Be a peacemaker. Bless that home. Bless that family. However, Jesus makes it abundantly clear that if a home or city rejects the message of Jesus, the consequences are severe. So here's where I just made the point that whenever um, we show hospitality even to people who don't deserve it. And so here we kind of take a different direction with what the instructions are to the apostles. First, Jesus instructed the apostles to take back the blessing. So if they go to a town, they go into home, and they don't receive the message of, of the kingdom of heaven, then take your blessing back. Maybe the host would become uh, hostile or antagonistic about your sharing the message of Jesus. Then kindly take your blessings and go elsewhere. That's okay. I know Christianity kind of has this persona of, oh, but we have to reach them no matter what the cost. Sweetheart, our job is to present the gospel and to love people. We cannot beg them into heaven. If the Holy Spirit is not at work in their heart, there's no amount of you preaching or teaching or hospitality or begging that's going to get them to come to Jesus. Every once in a while, people tell me, being a pastor is hard because you got to get people saved. I don't get anybody saved. Man, I just preach the word of God and I love life. And what you do with it, that's between you and God. Don't blame me. It's not on me to save people. It's on me to present the gospel and to be, live a life that makes me worthy of my calling. So what about them? Second, they were to shake uh, it's dust from your feet as you leave. That's an interesting saying there. Shaking the dust of your feet was a symbolic gesture of God's rejection of a home or city. It was to point out that they did not want to touch even the dirt from that place. It's pretty serious. I'm not going to have anything to do with you. If you don't want to have, if you don't want to receive the message of Jesus, I don't want to have anything to do with you. Um, it was a way of showing a, a break of any and all association with those people. Third, uh, in Matthew chapter, in, in verse 15, he says, I tell you the truth. Here's the third part of it. I tell you the truth. The wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on judgment day. So this is a stern warning. He says, I tell you the truth. It's kind of like saying, hey, I'm, I'm really serious about this, so pay attention. This is all games aside. I want you to listen because this is very serious. You may remember the story of Sodom and Gomorrah back in Genesis chapter 19. God destroyed the two cities. Uh, I'll abbreviate the story. You have uh, two angels. They come and they entered Sodom in the evening. And Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, Lot lived there with his family. He offers these two angels a place to stay and he feeds them. And it's hospitality. Come into my home. I mean, that would have been the culture of the Old Testament, a lot of the New Testament too. We're not, we're not a culture of hospitality. We're not at all. Um, so, so I think the application is hard for us to make uh, with hospitality. So Lot invites these people over. He runs into these two strangers at the city gate and he says, hey, come to my house, eat at my house, spend the night at my house, my wife won't mind. <clears throat> See, it's crazy. 
So he, he shows them hospitality, and before bedtime, uh, it says, that Genesis 19 tells us that all of the men of the city, young and old, they show up at Lot's house wanting to sexually assault these men that Lot was protecting. So the long story, a little bit shorter, is that the angels end up dragging, they have to drag Lot, his wife and his two daughters, out of the town before God began to rain down fire and burning sulfur on the cities of both Sodom and Gomorrah. So judgment for their sin. So why would Jesus say that Sodom and Gomorrah would be better off on judgment day than a city or a home who rejected the apostles and their message. Why would Jesus say that Sodom and Gomorrah are better off than a home or a city who rejects the apostles and the message of the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's actually pretty simple. Because to reject the apostles and their message was to reject the Messiah. There's a direct application here, by the way. To reject the apostles and their message about Jesus, faith in Jesus, was to reject the Messiah. Sodom and Gomorrah, they were gross sinners, but they had not had the opportunity to reject God's son. They had not rejected the savior, the solution to mankind's sin problem. Once the apostles had visited a home or a city and they had presented the message of the kingdom of heaven and those listening had the opportunity to respond in faith but chose not to, their guilt on the day of judgment would be significantly greater than that of Sodom and Gomorrah. Does that make sense? Sodom and Gomorrah sinned, but those who reject the Messiah there is greater judgment on them. Sodom and Gomorrah had not had the opportunity to respond in any way to the truth about the Messiah. To sin is one thing, but to reject the message of the Son of God is much worse. Are you getting your brain around that? Because we often think in terms of, of how sinful other people are and not whether or not they're accepting the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, they're a really bad sinner. That doesn't really make a difference. Have they accepted Christ as their savior is the big issue. So church, here's, here's the application. The application here is, is freely share your faith in Jesus and the gospel message with those who are willing to listen. If people are willing to listen, then continue to share your faith with them. But it is also very real that as we share with others who Jesus is and what he's done for, for them to forgive them of their sins, to forgive us of our sins, and to grant us eternal life, this is not only an invitation to follow Jesus with us, it is also a warning. This is not a casual invitation of, oh, come be like me and believe like me. Think like I do, because that'll be good. No, when we tell others about Jesus, we're, we are proclaiming the eternal truth of the Savior, God's only Son. And there are severe consequences. I don't make this stuff up. I'm just reading the text, okay? 
There are severe consequences for those who reject Jesus as their savior. So how does that affect me, Brent? We, as followers of Christ, must convey that warning with as much compassion as we possibly can. We're not out there banging on doors saying you're going to hell. That is not the compassionate way to share the message of Jesus Christ. We share it with all the compassion that we have because we love people because Jesus in us loves people. We could put a scripture on that. We must convey the warning with compassion as best we can. We want to maximize the likelihood that it will be heard. Anyone who has the opportunity to respond to Jesus' offer of forgiveness and turns him away must understand the fate that they are choosing is final. Final judgment is very real. It's kind of the dark side that we don't like to think about or talk about. Right? We share the gospel of Jesus Christ, wanting them to accept it. So we do it in an in as hospitable of way as we possibly can. Does it make sense? Come share a cup of coffee with me. Let's visit together. Let's be friends. You have the opportunity to look into my life and see my faith, see my relationship with my wife, see my relationship with my kids, see how, my, how I am as an employee. You get to see all the aspects of my life and I'm hoping that as I share with you about my Jesus, that you'll be impressed with my life and you will want my Jesus. That's how hospitality works. It's not, hey, you're a freaking sinner. You need to repent. And then they're like, kiss my grits. Remember Flo? Flo? Kiss my grits. I got in trouble for saying that when I was a kid and now I say it on Sunday morning. Oh... In closing, hospitality, at the end of my preaching uh, occupation, hospitality, <laughs> hospitality is kind of the environment where the gospel is conveyed. The gospel message is conveyed with all of the compassion of Christ, with the understanding that rejecting the gospel of Jesus will result in judgment of God. We show hospitality. We give and receive hospitality as best as we can from believers and non-believers alike. We make sure that, that we are acting out of compassion towards others as we share our lives and our faith with them. It is our duty as followers of Christ to be the ones who give freely, bless homes, share the gospel with kindness and never be inhospitable. <laughs> what, we never get to be inhospitable? I don't know. If you can work grace into being a jerk, you figure it out, let me know. <laughs> It is not our place to be unkind, antagonistic, or judgmental. We do not have the latitude as followers of Christ to be unworthy or inhospitable. We are pursuing, back to last week's message, we are pursuing God's lost lambs. 
We will pro- he will provide all that we need. You believe that? That's cool. And he pro- he'll provide receptive, worthy people to hear the gospel as well. We simply love them enough to go and to share the gospel and our faith with them. I, I rewrote my notes there at the end to say, we simply love them enough to go and share our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ with them. It is very simple. It is not a huge burden to bear. It's not a huge burden to bear to talk about our Lord and Savior. If it is a burden for you to bear, you need to start doing soap. You need to start coming on Wednesday nights. You need to start listening on Sunday morning. You need to come to know Jesus. Because once you know him, you like talking about him. And it gives you joy to talk about him. Stand with me. I want to pray with you.